Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to the Weekly Manchester United Show. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brandt. Join with my now regular co-host, the fantastic Callum McFadden. You can find Callum at Callum CFB or Football CFB. I think I made an underscore in there. I made a missed out. Uh, how you doing, we man? I not bad at all, Phil. Um, delighted that the competitive action is back this weekend. So yep. it's been it's been an enjoyable summer. But I, we've, we've discussed this off air many a time. The football season coming around still mm. feels like Christmas Eve, and then when when you kick off, it's like Christmas Day. It's just incredible. Uh, and then they wake up and find out it's Christmas Day in the poor country whenever you lose. It's like I was <laughs> second hand clothes in the bag with a puncture tire. You find out your mates just reported your, your, your new bag missing. Um, <laughs> no, not about it. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, how's, how's your summer been? Everything else all good, mate? It's been good. And I think it's it's one of the, these times where after the last sort of 18 months we've all had, things have gradually opened up over here. So just been trying to enjoy some of the things that we used to, let's be honest, well, I'll be honest, probably took for granted. So right. it's just been great to be able to catch up with friends and family again and, and be able to do it without feeling guilty or feeling nervous, but obviously with the restrictions in place. So it's just been, it's been great. And, and we're going to talk about fans coming back. And I think mm-hmm. that, that really makes it feel like we're in normality again. Let's hope it stays that way throughout the rest of the season. I have my concerns about uh, these variants and everything else, but let's stay on the positive. Let's hope that we can continue to attend sporting events. Deaths remain low um, and uh, we get a handle on this pandemic And because we all need normality. You know, I was watching an event on Friday back in Belfast, which was a big boxing match up in uh, West Belfast. And uh, it was Michael Conlon fighting and a big sport event broadcast all over the world, you know. And uh, I was watching, you know, there was thousands of people up there. <clears throat> and it was basically a nightclub where we had we boxing thing in the middle of it, right? <laughs> and it was class. But just to see the release, the joy of young people, being able to go out and enjoy life again, everything else, it's just amazing. You know, it's just class to see people being out and enjoying themselves. And, uh, you know, they've been it's been such a rough year and a half for so many of us and it'll be it'll remain that way for a long time but um people will be dealing with aftermath for, us for a long time but nonetheless it's good to see our fellow human beings out enjoying themselves um it's been unbelievable of being through in the last year and a half we've got leads coming up this weekend of course uh at old Trafford, the early game um 4 30 in the morning here thanks you needed uh <laughs> but um so looking forward to that obviously lads like to talk about what United's team will look at, what will look like, will Varane be in that starting 11, or Sancho be in that starting 11, Sancho trained today for the first time. That's encouraging. Um, I don't think Varane will start. I think United will obviously get that deal done in the next day or two, get confirmed. I think they're, they're fast-tracking everything now. Um, being a bit compl- complicated by Brexit, paperwork and all that there, obviously COVID and everything else. Um, but it looks like United have, 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 will get that deal confirmed in the next day or two. Um, well, it's all formalities now. Um, but we, we, I would be surprised if Solskjaer starts him having just had a couple of days training at the weekend. Yeah, I would be very surprised with that as well. But one of the things that is refreshing for a game against Leeds United, especially at home, is the fact that, you again, we, we've talked about Lindelof and, and Maguire not being the partnership you want longer term. But it's, it's not as desperate as it was when Harry Maguire came in from Leicester pretty last minute and you mm-hmm. thought, is he going to come in in time, is he not? And it was it was really, it was dire straits in the sense mm-hmm. that we have to get him in, we have to play him. So it's refreshing that United can bring in players of a really top calibre, but for the first game, if they were on the bench and they come off the bench, you wouldn't be necessarily too upset because there is 
that there is gradually there's gradually becoming more quality throughout throughout the side, and I think that's what we've always always wanted to see. Um, so for me, I, I wouldn't panic if he doesn't start against Leeds. I don't expect him to start either, and it's just good to to not panic about a new signing come in thinking he needs to start or we're in big trouble. So that's a relief. But as I say. I'm sure Ollie will, will, will ease him in in a sensible manner and hopefully we can see the best of him very quickly. And, and I've got no reason to doubt why uh, why we will because he is a top player and you just have to look at everything he's won in his career and, and it, it emphasises that. Well, I think if you look at the game of the weekend against Everton, I think you got a good idea of what Solskjaer is expecting to be a starting eleven this weekend against Leeds. And uh, <clears throat> one of the other telling uh, decisions in that game for me was... Who, who started in goal? Uh, who do you think starts number one this season? Well, uh, D- Dean Henderson, from what I'm, I, I've, I've read over here, appears to have picked up a knock. Um, so it appears that De Gea is definitely going to start the season uh, with the number one jersey. Oh, I, did, I didn't see. Yeah, did he pick up an yeah. act, Um So he's, he's not, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's going to be particularly long term, but De Gea is definitely going to start with the number one jersey for the first week or so anyway. So mm-hmm. I think given... Given that's the situation, it's his to lose in many ways. Right, um, that, I, I just think it's a massive opportunity for him. There was um, chat over here in pre-season from, from the usual sources, the Athletic and others, that, that said that he was maybe looked as if he could have been leaning towards Dean Henderson starting as number one. But with the knock he's picked up and De Gea having to start as number one, you, or you would think he would start ahead of Heaton anyway, um, I think it's really his to lose and he has to take this as a massive opportunity because if he can start well and United can start well, there's no reason why De Gea won't continue as number one and Henderson will be the one having to claw back what he's missed. Yeah, it is a great opportunity for De Gea. Uh, however that comes about, you have to take it. De Gea um, possesses nine-tenths of the law. You have a shirt. It's always yours to lose. David De Gea doesn't put a foot wrong. David De Gea keeps his shirt. I put out a tweet about a week or so ago, and I will admit I was on, on consumed a few performance enhancers. <clears throat> um, but uh, I was woke, gladly woke up the next day to find that it was a coherent tweet. Uh, but uh, I had said that having seen both of them, I'd still start De Gea. Now, that isn't necessarily an endorsement of De Gea as much as it is a bit of a criticism of Henderson to say, I haven't seen anything from you yet enough that says you should be getting picked over the hair, that you're the obvious clear favourite. And like in boxing, you have to take the champion's belt. And to me, I look at this and I think, has he taken David De Gea's belt? No, I, I, he hasn't looked better than me, than De Gea, right? And so I still think it's David De Gea's shirt. Dean Henderson has to earn the right to take that shirt. He hasn't done that yet. I would still start with De, with, with De Gea. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how De Gea responds because I think, Callum, given everything that's going on in Spanish football, David De Gea can't go back to La Liga. Right? That's not happening anymore. That ship is sealed. Especially when you look at the money he's on. There aren't a lot of options out there, as Paul Pog was finding out. I think this is the best situation David De Gea will find himself in. He's not going to be at a better club than United if things don't work out. Right? So... This is an opportunity. Personally, I'd love to see him reclaim the number one shirt, possibly finish his career there. He's been a great servant for football club. Um, But this really is another another part of David De Gea's career where we've really moved into another segment where we're saying, okay, you're at the, you're you're the experienced goalkeeper now. Show me you're not washed up. Show me you're still a top level goalkeeper. And show me that you're still Manchester United's number one. I think this is a big season for De Gea. 
it's a massive season and the other thing I would say on Henderson is and I know you could argue he didn't get enough of a run in the team to maybe state a claim for the England number one jersey I know he missed the tournament uh, through injury I, I really don't think he would have um, taken Pickford's place in that England team and Pickford is a goalkeeper who I don't think is a particularly top level goalkeeper given mm-hmm. he does play a lot better for England in my opinion than he does for Everton but I still don't have the sense that I feel if Henderson is taking the England number one jersey and and he's going to be even in with the England team. So if he's not miles ahead of Jordan Pickford, I don't think it's I think it's fair to say he's not miles ahead of David De Gea. And I think if he wants that United number one jersey, he's he's going to have a scrap on. Tom Heaton coming into the club, I have to say, I think is a positive. Another player yeah. who's been injured in recent years, but he he's the sort of guy that I'm glad is coming into the club because he won't let either of the two of them slack, and that should hopefully help both of them because he is another able deputy there as well. It's actually a really good point because you know Tom Heaton's not Lee Grant, right? Tom Heaton's if if Tom Heaton started for United, you you wouldn't be concerned. I'd be concerned if Lee Grant started for United, but Tom Heaton, you know, I did good, he did good last season. A uh, decent keeper, uh, and certainly could easily see himself as pushing for number two. Look, Dini Anderson still hasn't answered the questions that I had of him last season. Right, these questions still remain. When I when when I saw him back into the last season, I said, okay, well, there's a lot he has to prove to me. Right, he has to prove is he good enough to play for Manchester United? Does he have the temperament to play for Manchester United? Because really, you know, I was talking to Franz Hook about this, of course, who knows him very well. And in some ways, they have similar weaknesses in the sense that their kicking's not great. Henderson is definitely a better communicator. You heard that last season whenever um, the fans weren't in the stadiums. Henderson's constantly talking. Definitely, I like that. Uh, comes off his lane a bit more than the head does, no question. But he's still error prone, right? And this is what happens at a club like United. The scrutiny and the pressure is massive. If you make a mistake at Sheffield United, it's quickly forgotten about, right? Because there's something else to talk about quickly. There's another goal you've conceded, and it's usually not crucial in your defeats. And, uh, you know, if you're, you're constantly under pressure at Sheffield United where you've nothing to lose, it, it can be a team you can look good in as a keeper, right? But then you come to United and everything is scrutinised. Every, you know, you've got panels of experts up and looking at every, every kick, every throw, every, and, and breaking everything down to quantum pieces and saying, and, and analysing everything. And that can get inside your head. And as a goalkeeper, more than any other position, you are an individual, you're, you must be great mentally, right? And if you're weak at all mentally, maybe not weak, but certainly like confidence or whatever, it'll show. And the other key component for both De Gea or Henderson is they are now getting a world-class centre back in front of them, right? That is a significant upgrade on Lindelof, no disrespect to Victor Lindelof. And what I like about uh, Varane is that he's very different to Harry Maguire, right, in terms of his attributes. Lindelof and Maguire are a bit too similar to me. But Varane is very, very good with the ball at his feet. Right? Technically very good. He's quick. He's, 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 he's different to Maguire. So, and I think they complement each other well. So, I think that's going to help whatever goalkeeper comes in next. Varane is experienced. He's played at the top level. He's won everything there is to win. I think, you know, let's even say, Callum, Varane was a disaster, right? One thing you can't say is that's United's fault. Because if you go into the market right now and say, look, I want one of the best centre-backs in the world that gives me the closest thing, because there is no guarantees with anyone, but this is the player that gives me the closest thing to guarantee that I can get in the top-class player. He's in that discussion. Now, if you buy a young, unproven defender 
in the hope that he'll develop and turns out to be a disaster, then you bear responsibility. But it's very, very hard to go out there and buy anyone with a guarantee, but certainly to go out and single anyone out better than Rafael Varane and say, that, you know, that's the closest thing you're going to get to a guarantee. That's, you needed to have bought at the top of the market in Varane and Sancho, right? And I don't think anybody can complain about their quality and about the fact that they have, you know, they, they haven't bought the best players out there. They certainly have in those two. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Varane is is signal of United's intent. And, you know, I, I just quickly on this, sorry, I made the wrap this up. I did speak to a couple of people and I was commending them on how well the football club seemed to be executing these deals now. And the feedback to me was nothing has really changed, just the market has changed, which I thought was telling because they could have easily turned around and capitalized on and said, yes, we're doing all this great work. But they didn't. They said this work's been in place for years now. So um, that's encouraging. This has been a great window so far. Not perfect. They still feel they need more. But uh, I think Varane will help whatever goalkeeper, whether it's De Gea. Um, and remember, Varane speaks perfect Spanish. That'll help De Gea too. Um, I think uh, that's going to... Uh, you know, that's Spanish or English, of course, but I think Spanish will help. And I think that, that's, that's, that's great saying if you need it. That fantastic signing. And, and you've hit the nail on the head by saying... If you offered any team in world football the chance to sign a centre-back, and a centre-back that's won four uh, European Cups, he's won the World Cup, he's played at the highest level for a long, long time, and he's under 30 years old, you would you would take that every single day of the week. And and I think that's something that for many years you couldn't say about United. Lindelof, Baye, good, good players, but unproven at maybe that elite level, whereas Varane's been proven at this level for a long, long time for club and for country and yep. for me that's the sort of signing you want United to be making immediately and I think for him to come into United along with Sancho you cannot complain so far with this window Well one of the things that's interesting about Varane to me <clears throat> is if you take away a couple of the other variables that are unique to this year such as Covid right you take away Covid and take away let's say Varane still has another couple of years in his contract to run you know we're, we're in a typical year Rafael Varane is a galactico signing. Tell him. These, he, he, in, 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 a, in a typical market where Real Madrid didn't have to sell, where he wasn't done the last year of his contract, we didn't have COVID. You're talking about Harry Maguire money for Varane. And he would be a galactico signing, the type of signing that I often hear some United fans and all say, we're not very good at, which to me is utter insanity, right? Let's not buy the best players in the world because one time it didn't work out. <laughs> you know, you ever heard those nonsense in all your life? Can you imagine Real Madrid turning around and saying, we're not signing Mbappe because Kaka didn't work out? I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? Um, <clears throat> so uh, that's the type of player people said, you need aren't very good at signing or aren't very good at signing and working out. I don't buy it. I don't buy in that at all. That is a galactico signing that has gone under the radar because of his fee, which is ridiculous, right? And uh, because it's not a typical market. So <clears throat> easily, for my money, one of the best signings of the window. Easily, right? Uh, Jaden Sancho, if you're not excited about seeing Jaden Sancho United shirt, football's not for you. I cannot wait to see this kid. Right? I can't wait. See the swagger, see the confidence, see the technique, the skill. That's a match he's needed to play. Right? I want to see him come in. I want to see that uh, 
type of swagger that I want to see, you know, be brave in games. I want to see him take players on. I want to see him create something from nothing. Bruno Fernandes completely changed Manchester United from a team that was one-dimensional counter-attacking football to a team that could dominate possession and still cut you open. You need individual players because what's starting to happen to United is they're getting respect. And teams reporting lots of men behind the ball it can get hard to break you down. That's when you need individual quality. That's where Don James costs you. Because Don James is great if you're counter-attacking, you've got space in behind, you cut you open, right? But when you've got players sitting in front of you that you need to beat, that you've got to create something out of nothing, that's where Jadon Sancho earns all his, earns his money. Take a look at his goals and assists in the Bundesliga. It's fantastic. I'm really excited to see him. I'm excited to see him as well. And one thing I want to say that really frustrates me, Phil, is you get certain people who talk about the Bundesliga as if it's non-league football. And it's frustrating. He's also performed in the Champions League as well. um, Performed in the Bundesliga. And when he's been given opportunities by England, as you saw at this summer's years, when he was given opportunities on the pitch with minutes rather than just come on for a penalty shootout, any player would find difficult. He performed well. And for me... Desperate to see him in the United jersey. Tailor-made for United, as you say. The swagger, the fact that he gets goals, he gets assists, and the fact that he feeds off a crowd. Mm. That'll, that'll be fantastic at United. I love watching a player that can get you off your feet. We all do at any level of football. And for me, he's, he's, he's a player who's coming in at a very good age. You could have the best of him for seven, eight, nine years. And for, and, and that's that's a, a mouth-watering prospect. The other thing I want to mention, again, it was uh, said in the press over here this week that when Aston Villa were trying to sell Jack Grealish, they offered them to United and a few other clubs to try mm-hmm. and spark some sort of bidding war because the release clause legally couldn't be spoken about, but if you met it, obviously you could go. Mm-hmm. The fact United are in a position, in my opinion, that they've got a better player for less money and didn't need to dive in there is great because if this was United, I think, Phil, maybe three years ago and a, such a player was offered, I think they would have thought, right, we've been offered, we've been offered mm. a player who's a very good player. He might not necessarily fit what we need right now, but we'll take him anyway because it'll keep people happy and it's a big name. They don't have to do that now. They've recruited a world-class Galactico defender, as you've said, and a young English talent who's proven in the Bundesliga, one of the major five European leagues, proven in the Champions League, and he's got his best years ahead of him. So mouth-watering prospect to watch both of them. And even if they don't start against Leeds, as soon as they do get into the, the, the groove and are able to start games, it's it's just, you, as you say, you'd be lying if you said you're not excited about these signings. Hopefully we can follow up with a couple more. But if you're asking me about the two that have come in so far, absolutely delighted. Genuinely, I don't think you could get any better. Well, we'll definitely see some of Sancho at the weekend, no matter what, whether it's a sober wide, we'll definitely see him. But look, you're right, because this brings up an important point, right? Because when you look at United's strategy in the past, right, whether it came by managers, players, it always felt very knee-jerk. It always felt very opportunistic and never felt to be the execution of a long thought out strategy of what United need. You know, even going back to Van Hal, right? Clearly there was very little thought that went into okay, what type of manager is Van Hal? What, do, what are we going to have to do to adjust to get the best out of him? Again, I spoke to France Hope and other people at the football club, and some of the things that they told me, clearly, United were not, didn't do their proper due diligence on who Van Hal was. I think that they looked at his track record and thought, we want someone from Moyes that's direct opposite, someone that has profile, someone that has stature, someone that has a track record of success, someone that's going to get players respect, and Van Hal was the obvious name, Right. Now, if they'd have done due diligence on Van Halen and looked at his football clubs and looked at the things that he does and looked at the way he coaches and everything else, 
what happened next would have been a bit predictable, right? But that wasn't done. So with Van Hal, he's a bit good, he'll do. Then Mourinho. So if you look at Mourinho and you look at the profile of football clubs that have been hammering you since his first stint at Chelsea, you needed to fit that profile, right? Big football club, been starved of success, in the, in, the, in, in, the, in the shadow of their rivals and are willing to sacrifice their principles for a few years to get success. Right? That's what Real Madrid done, that's what Inter Milan done, that's what all these football clubs done. Right? Because you know he's going to be insufferable for a bit. But you have to back him 100% to get that. But Mourinho's a hard man to back 100% because he's so toxic. right? And starts, starts out well, Right, but again, with the real due diligence into who Mourinho is, you need to start to lose belief in Mourinho about halfway through his tenure, uh, which culminated in a ridiculous summer. And then, of course, Mourinho's smart. Mourinho knows he smells it in the water. He's been there before. He knows when he's getting sacked. Starts advertising for his next job after Sevilla away, and starts making sure he separates himself from the failures of the football club that aren't his, and he owns the successes. Solskjaer, again, I felt was knee jerk. However. I do feel they got a bit lucky in how he started. Um, and then, of course, now they're implementing long-term strategies that are benefiting the manager. But, Colin, here's what's going to be really interesting for Solskjaer this year. I believe Solskjaer survived at United whenever he was going through that horrendous spell, you know, before the break before they signed Fernandez, because um, Edward hired him. Edward didn't want to admit that he made a mistake again and kept him, right? And I'm glad that he did because I think that um, Solskjaer surely deserves to be in that job still. Wadeweaver's not going to be there next season. And there's two questions, Mark said. If United have any designs on getting Holland next summer, that's going to be contingent on a couple of things. One, United being successful next season so that Holland wants to come. And two, making sure Solskjaer's still a significant part of that football club. I'm sure his relationship with Holland's going to be really important. But if it goes wrong, then we'll... The next guy be afraid to sack Solskjaer. Certainly Moyes wasn't, or uh, Wither wasn't afraid to sack Moyes. I don't think he would. Um, and uh, what does that do to Holland? So big, big things riding on next season. Big things indeed. And, and just one of the points I want to make in Mourinho. I mean, Mourinho's the sort of guy that if he goes in and buys a new jumper, the moment it's got a stain on it, he bins it. Anybody else would put it in the washing machine and get it fixed up, but he would just bin it and, and look, to get stain, a, <laughs> look to get another <laughs> one. Whereas with Ollie's the opposite. Lord you look, Evans, look, get rid of it. Sorry, <laughs> you, you look at Luke Shaw, it had it, been, been very easy for a period of time when Luke Shaw was going through a tough time on the park to say, sell him, get rid of him, move on, mm-hmm. move on. They put time and effort into him on the training field. It took a while, but they're now getting the best of him. Even at the Euros, he was one of the best performers in the full yeah. tournament. And that, for me, illustrates the difference. You, you, I, I think even though he's got a new contract, I, I still think there is there is a huge element of pressure this season in the sense that United have to seriously challenge for the Premier League or the Champions League or they have to finish comfortably top four and win a trophy. There has to be something significant put down at the end of the season. If there's just another season of finishing a distant second and not challenging for a trophy, getting a Haaland in next summer is probably the the carrot to say, okay, we'll keep him if you can get someone like that in, because surely the season after, it's only going to make you better and give you an even greater chance. But if not, I definitely think there is increased pressure on him because regardless of your stature as a player, regardless of the improvement that's been made so far, when you get to this stage, you've been three years, touching four years into a job, you have to deliver something significant. Last season was undoubtedly a step forward, still double figures behind, which is frustrating. 
I think with the two players he's brought in so far, maybe another one to follow, Touchwood. Um, I, I think really you're expecting a serious challenge for either the Premier League or the Champions League. And we've talked about this in recent weeks in the show. Look at the mess of Barcelona. Look at the mess of Real Madrid. Look at the mess of many of the top European clubs. Inter Milan just won the first title in, in almost a decade. They're selling Lukaku. Um, they're selling their top talents. And I think it's important, they've lost their manager as well, I think it's important to capitalise in this environment. Varane and Sancho give you a building blocks to do that. It's vital that the manager in that group of players grabs that opportunity by the scruff of the neck because these opportunities don't come up very often. Normally, there's an obvious air to a dominating period. You think of Barcelona take with Pep Guardiola dominating football. Madrid then came in and won lots of Champions League leagues under Zidane. In my opinion, that's just my opinion, as we speak right now, I don't think you can sit here and say there's an obvious club that's going to dominate for the next five years. I think there's a crux of clubs, Paris Saint-Germain, Chelsea, Manchester City, United, Bayern, who'll be looking at this and thinking, if we get this right on and off the park, we could be that Madrid side that won three, four European Cups in their own. We can dominate, and there's no reason that United can't do that if they continue to get things right. So it's a massive, massive season, I think. How important is it that you know to start with a win at the weekend? If you go back to United's first game of last season against Crystal Palace, uh, none of the new signings started. Right, Van der Beek came off the bench, of course, scored at deflection, brought United back in the game two one, finished three one. Let's say Sancho starts on the bench, which is a very real possibility at this point. United will once again start the first game of the season with none of their new signings starting. Cavani's not due in their country until Thursday. He tells me he doesn't start, right? Um, uh, so tell me how important is it that United start over the win against Leeds? And do you feel that um, it's a negative that none of United's standings will, will may be ready for the start of the, the new season? It's imperative to start well, especially when you look at the home record over last season. Their, their away record was immaculate. It was very good. But the home record has to be significantly better. Mm-hmm. Having a full house of 75,000 in for me, has to be a positive factor and should surely help the team, particularly when there's going to be exciting attacking football on show with the players that United have got. So a, 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 a positive start is imperative if you're wanting to challenge and, and set off in that momentum, particularly because October, as we've talked about before, mm-hmm. is a tough month. You can't afford to have a stuttering start into September thinking we've still not hit our groove yet because October could hit you like a ton of bricks. The same it would for, for any of these top teams this season get into it. I think in terms of the signings, I'm going to give them a bit of slack in the sense that it was a Euros summer. So players, every single team, I mean, Tottenham obviously in the situation, Kane's going to stay or go, he's coming back very late. Pep Guardiola was complaining at the weekend the fact that many of his players are coming back late. I think everyone's kind of in the same boat. The, The players were signed early enough. It's not Varane's fault and United's fault that he's been signed during the COVID period and there has to be quarantine. He would have been training probably by now if it wasn't for the quarantine rules in the UK. Again, United can't control that, unfortunately. So the way I look at it, I think it's the sort of best of the situation at the moment. If if they're on the bench, if they make an appearance, if you were asking me this maybe two years ago, I'd be saying that maybe they've come in too late. United have been underprepared. Mm-hmm. But I actually think they've got the business done early. It's been a Euro summer, which has led to extended holidays, which some people complain at, but... It is written into players' contracts that they're due a certain amount of holidays. Some might cut it short, but it is written into their contracts. And with Varane, as I say, 
the quarantine period's out with United's control, it's out with his, you have to follow it. And that deal, once it's done, is an exciting one. But with Lindelof and Maguire, they're not the long-term solution for United. But against Leeds United at home, they should be good enough at centre-back for United to win the game because Varane is going to miss games this season. He might be suspended, he might pick up a niggle. So although, although I'm delighted Varane's coming in, it's important that Lindelof is an important member of that squad because you saw with Liverpool last season, once you lose your top two centre-backs, it's difficult. If you lose three, it's now, people will say it's now impossible. So it's important that you've got a core of three or four that you can rely on. And although Lindelof, for me, shouldn't start every week, I still think he's a player that can be relied on 15, 20 games a season, albeit it might be cup competitions he's playing in uh, predominantly. But for the league, if Maguire or Varane are unavailable, I don't think it's the end of the world bringing someone like him in. Over the course of a full season, it does catch out, as it's been shown in recent years. I don't think he's good enough to play for United at that level for a full season, but he can be relied on for for games, especially against the team that leads at home. And I don't mean that in a a patronising manner. It's just United at home should be expecting to beat anyone in the league at home, naturally. And Leeds United are one of those teams. Yeah, I was talking to Tony Dorigo on the pod the other day, and one of the things they're also struggling centre back. They uh, they played a pre season friendly right before I did that podcast. We were due to play Ajax on Wednesday, and they had lost both their centre backs. So they were touch and go as to whether they'd be fit as well for this weekend. So they're also in a bit of a difficult situation themselves. And I agree. Look, it, it, it's hard to fault United for how they recruited this summer. We've all cried we want signings done early. They got them done in it early. Right, two of the major ones early. Um, you know, I would have settled for doing them on the final day of the window, standings of that stature, but to see them come in early and obviously the bureaucracy is not you know, it's fault with Varane, there's not much they can do. Uh, they've done everything possible. Um, not having both of those standings and one or two others available against Leeds is not going to be the determining factor. If you don't have enough in that squad right now to go out and beat Leeds, we got bigger problems in two or three seconds. So it's also an opportunity, if you're Victor Lindelof, to say, I'm not giving up my shirt that easy. Right? I want to go out and put the performance of my life in. Right? If you're someone that starts on the right, I want to go out and put the performance of my life in. The look show effect. Right? This is also asking questions of players that are there. There are no more places he needed, with the exception of maybe one or two, maybe Fernandez. But even still, there are no more positions that you needed that are guaranteed. That's a good thing. Everyone has a strong competitor over their shoulder wanting to take their shirt. That is absolutely important. It's fundamental. So um, hard to fault you needed for any of this. And, uh, look, these players have been playing essentially non-stop for a year and a half, Count Holiday is vital. And they still don't get enough off as it is. They really need longer than this. Right? Really, you should be given a month away from football, from a game. Go away your families. Don't even talk about it. Just to, you know, these, kids, all these kids are super fit. You know? But um, really excited to see you know, the back this weekend. And um, a couple of questions I want to ask you about. Um, Schultzker is, we, we've talked about the two that we have. We said anything more is a bonus, right? Now, that's a fan getting upset about that. Uh, Everything that I've been told, and I know this is accurate, right? Um, put out stuff on this last week saying that uh, right now, and, and I said this after Varan anyway, right? I'm sure I said on this podcast that you'll see a lapse now between this and any further signings. Focus is going to be on trying to get players sold, right? And the word is 
players are going to have to be sold before United can add other signings. Now, Calm, I just want to make a slight caveat. I, I hate doing this because um, it sounds like uh, you know, I'm sucking myself off here, but and, uh, but I put this tweet out, and of course, everyone you know put it out Thursday or Friday or something last week. Uh, it's elaborate my podcast, and of course, I get the usual. That's not what Fab said. And I love Fabrizio, as you know, Fabrizio had him on his podcast. Great guys, it's not his fault. And it's just a deluge of who are you and you know all this nonsense. And then about an hour later, Fabrizio tweets more or less word for word what I'd already put out. And uh, of course, these people never come back and, and retract what they say. Right. Um, but uh, <clears throat> it just it, it, it continues to amuse me that. And this is one of the things that's making social media. One of the reasons why I can't respond to people, and I want to make this point, because there's a lot of people that tweet me and I don't respond, right? And this is part of the reason why, folks, because most of my mentions are unreadable whenever I tweet something like I said, because it's just filled with, I assume, young lads and lasses or whatever, just tweeting abuse. And I've got a particular account that follows me, unfollows me, follows me, unfollows me, follows me, unfollows me. And one day he'll call my integrity into question and then he'll say, ah, oh, you know what, you're right. And eventually I just blocked him because he was annoying me. And he's a big account and I'm not going to say who it is, but it's like, I don't have to prove myself to anybody anymore. All right? Secondly, don't spam my direct messages with, I am not your personal news source. I appreciate every follow. I do, trust me. They're all fantastic people. I'm, but... I genuinely have people in my direct messages sending me 20, 30 a day. Hey, what about this? Hey, hey, hey. And then question marks, question marks. I'm not your personal news source. All right. And anyone that starts, keeps messaging me about this stuff. And it's the only thing you message me about. I won't respond because it also kicks off other mental health messages on there that I miss because of this nonsense. So please, right. And I apologize to those of you I never get back to on Twitter, but this is primarily the reason why, because most of the time the mansions are just filled with people questioning the veracity. I've worked in football for more than 10 years. I don't know why it's so implausible to people that and during 10 years, the 10 years I've been working here, that I might actually develop a relationship or two with someone that knows what the hell is going on. Jesus Christ. And, and if you find it hard to believe, you need to expand your own ambitions because it's not that hard to believe. Anyway. Um, Can I just come in on that as well and just illustrate the point by saying Sam Lee covers Manchester City, put out a great thread, you might have seen it on Twitter, where if, as, as you say, if you get information and you put it out there, you're putting that out there because a trusted individual has given you that right. information. Mm-hmm. And as you say with Fabrizio Romano, he, he's got 4 million followers. He's doing a great okay. job. A lot of people see him as the source, but he is a source. Mm-hmm. There is no such person. Fabrizio, um, lots of years ago, Jim White and Sky over in the UK were seen as the source. There mm-hmm. is no the source. There are lots of sources. Sometimes you will get conflicting information in any transfer because different sides want different things. Correct. A player's agent might feed... Uh, a, mm-hmm. a group of journalists, one thing, the club might feed a, a, a different group, the other or the same group, different information later. It's a very fluid situation. One of the things that really frustrates me, and I'm a big football manager fan, I'm a big FIFA fan, I love all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's not as easy as clicking a few buttons and mm-hmm. brands in the country. It's not as easy as, um, oh, we'll just put in an extra £30 million. Pounds. These things have to be paid for, and mm-hmm. crucially as well, there's things that 
again, as fans, even as as, as, as uh, writers, etc., that we maybe don't think about, if a player's moving from another country, he has to think about his family. Do they want to go? Is there any anything that could be a potential hitch in the deal? So I, th- I think one of the messages I would like to put out just in behalf of mental health as well is the reporters that are reporting transfer information, whether they're United, City, Scottish football, Dutch football, whatever it may be, they are trying to give you the information that right. they have you might not like that information because certain times in transfer windows, as we've talked about in the podcast in recent years, you think, God, United really are maybe having mm-hmm. a nice spend of 60 million. That's maybe unambitious and we don't like it, but it's fact. And and I think it's important that people realise all the reporters out there, the football writers, they're trying to give you the information that they have and to just abuse them and call their sources into question is lazy. Because at the end of the day, as you've said, see the same people that abuse you, Phil. I bet you they're the same people in the DM saying what's really happening, what's really happening. People need to get a grip, let things fluidly work out, and you'll find out when you find out. For instance, Sancho Varane, the football club would have known these deals were happening a week or so before we know, but we get the information when we're supposed to. You know, people just need to realise that. Well, you're right, and here's the thing, right? There's a couple of things, right? This is what makes social media so unusual, right? I'd love to interact with a lot of different people. Right. But I can't have that type of negativity in my life because it puts me in a dark place and then everyone else around me is affected. So I can't go down that rabbit hole. So when I see the abuse come on the negativity, I have to mute the threat because I just don't want to read it. And what also bothers me, mate, is my son is is 14 years of age. He's a big football fan. And, you know, he watches different things on YouTube and all that there because he, he doesn't know good from bad. He doesn't know, don't watch this, this watch. He just consumes information related to edits. He sees some of the stuff at me. And <clears throat> this is difficult for me, man. The last time it happened, he was in tears in the car. And he says to me, uh, why do so many people hate you? All you're doing is telling them what you've been told. Why do they say this about you and say that about you? And I try to tell him, son, look, don't let that stuff bother you. I don't know what's going on in people's lives. Right? You can't take it personal. But this is why I don't want you to have social media. Because I'm afraid. Because he's vulnerable. This is a child that's lost his mother. Right? That's extremely emotionally vulnerable. I don't want him to be subjected to that and I don't want him to see what I see and I wish that he would stay off social media but he goes on because he wants to he's proud of his dad and he wants to show his friends and I'm like and then he sees his torrents of abuse from people and he looks at me and he's like why and I said well this is just the way of the world so you don't don't envy this, don't want, and this is what I tell the people, like follower count is nothing to aspire to. I'm grateful for every follower, trust me, but it says nothing about you or your life, okay? So I just ask anyone out there, if your knee-jerk reaction to something is negative, whether it triggers you or not, I want you to understand a couple of things. First of all, it's not aimed at you, right? Secondly, I'm a purveyor of information. I don't create it. I get told, I report, okay? Um, I don't, I, I, sometimes that information is as frustrating to me as it is to you. Thirdly, remember whose eyes are on that. Not just on my end, but on your end. 
just remember this because when you're going after someone, sometimes my child sees that. So I would ask you, my daughters are young. My other little boy is not old enough to see this yet. And I dread when that happens to them, when they go on social media, and this is a part of their lives. And my son is desperate to have social media, and I keep telling him he's not allowed for this reason, because I worry about the impact on his mental health. So what I would say to you is, folks, look, if you see information you don't like, even if you think I've made it up in my head, which I've never done once in my life, right? Refrain from letting that trigger you because it's for your own mental health to a point where it causes you to abuse somebody, right? Because that's not healthy for you either. I don't want to keep using this soapbox to complain about this, but it's not just me, it's every other one else. Yeah, human beings are behind the screen, okay? And it's sometimes it's difficult to separate yourself from some of the things. I get a lot of love too, trust me, and I'm grateful for that because it helps balance it all out. But, you know, I do a lot of work for mental health and different mental health charities. And you would be surprised, Colin, how many times I'm talking to young kids, 16, 17, 18, 15, all the way through, that have been dealing with all types of abuse on the internet because of the way they look or something else. It's a fucking disgrace. And it's not funny. And the people that do it, you need to take a good hard look at yourself because clearly it's you that's in pain. Happy people don't do this. Oh, 100%. And... I'll be very honest and open in the sense that the way I am as a person, the way I'm wired, if if there were 100 positive comments and one really negative comment, my brain would focus on the one negative rather than the positive. You know this. I've spoken, I've spoken off air. You know the way I am as a person. I always worry. I always get very, I suffer from anxiety. I get very anxious. I worry mm-hmm. about what other people think of me. Sure, Not in a material sense. I'm comfortable who I am and whatever, but... It is, it is important to realise that hiding behind a fake name and just putting out spam abuse or whatever it may be, see if that's given you a kick and you're listening to this, I would encourage you to take a step back and think about how you're really feeling. Because if you're feeling like crap and you want to then make other people feel like crap so that you feel a bit better, that's not the way to happiness. Mm. It really is not. It might be a temporary kick. Oh, I've annoyed him, I've annoyed her, but trust me, in time, you will eventually grow tired and fed up with that. And see, when you go and seek support or whatever it may be, you will look back with nothing but cringe and regret. So it's important mm-hmm. that these people, if that's how you're feeling, please try and do something about it. Because if we all just throw crap at each other, then nobody feels better and the world is a, a, a worse place. And as you say, something as simple as a message, a tweet, a direct message, whatever it may be, it might be trivial and it makes me feel a wee bit better. That can really have a lasting impact. So 100%. think before you do something. Think. Yes. For, I, do, I don't want to keep going on about this, folks. It's just, just part of the reason, because I get some people saying I'm arrogant. No, I don't communicate with people. Part of the reason why I don't communicate with a lot of people is because I just don't want to subject myself to a lot of negativity that inevitably comes my way when I say things that aren't popular, people don't want to hear, or it disagrees with information that's already out there. Um, I, I, I just do my job and let me tell you something folks don't close this point there is nothing for me to gain by making bullshit up on Twitter right? I do not make a bullshit transfer room or something which would be able you'd have found out a long long time ago right? that I, I do because either I'm clairvoyant and, and, and make shit up uh, or it just so happens that I do occasionally speak to people that might know what they're talking about because I, you know, I, I like to think that most people trust my information is that always nine, I would say it's got a healthy track record of being right. Um, anyway, move, move this conversation back to you, Ned, uh, because we're going to start getting through this podcast. 
Pogba, uh, Andy Mitten said, willing to renew. Um, I uh, wouldn't be entirely surprised at that. Um, United are clearly feeling that there's not enough being offered on the table for Paul Pogba uh, to leave. Uh, we're not going to sell him at 30 million or thereabouts. So we'd rather gamble, keep him for another year. If United go out and win, let's just say they won, they won the Premier League next year, kept Pogba when he left next year on a free. I think that's a smart deal. Oh, I agree. I, I would take that. But I also think if United are competing to win the Premier League and go far in the Champions League, why on earth would he want to leave? You know, I think it's one of these situations where, as I said earlier, it's very fluid, family comes mm-hmm. into it, et cetera, et cetera. But if, United, if you're producing a strong United team, most players, including Pogba, you would think just from basic human emotion would be more inclined to stay where you're working successful. It's giving you joy. You're more likely to commit. So um, I think I think he will lean towards staying. Again, personal view, don't have any hunch either way. Um, I think I think he would lean towards staying because, as I said earlier, and we've talked about this, is there an obvious place to go? I know a lot of people are saying Paris Saint-Germain. Is, is, it, is it that obvious for Paul? But I don't quite think it is. Yeah, and especially if they're going to go out and spend the fortune here on Lionel Messi, you know, where does that money come from? And Pogba's options continue to diminish. I just wonder with the news that Andy Mitten talking about Pogba willing to renew in the last couple of days has coincided with PSG looking at Messi and saying, you know what, <clears throat> that's where it makes most sense. Uh, they were, according to reports, offering derisory money for Pogba. Uh, and of course, they found money down the back of the city for <laughs> Messi. Uh other thing, uh, Martial, lots of people suggesting that Inter Milan would be or making an offer for Martial on loan with the, with the requirement to buy in a year's time, you know, being open to that. I could definitely see you know, being open to that. They would certainly be okay with getting that Martial only 12 months from now, knowing it's in the bank, knowing you're getting it. Although I think maybe they're a bit reticent with Inter, who haven't been great with the Lukaku payments. If, I, I'm not saying that's 100% correct, from allegedly. Um, They've got to sell on with Lukaku, which we'll get to, which will give them a little windfall. Hopefully, um, that gives Solskjaer money to spend. But uh, would you be? W- w- what would you do with Marshall? Would you keep him, or would you be against loaning him with option to buy, or or a ma- or, or, or a mandated option to buy at the end of his deal? I I wouldn't I wouldn't let him go unless the option was mandated because Correct, he is the yeah. sort of footballer that can produce 10, 12 games of phenomenal football, but can also then mm-hmm. go on another 12-game run of very barren spells in front of goal and, and lacklustre performances. So for me, he doesn't have the consistency level, uh, and, and you could say this for a number of players, that I would trust an option to buy. If it's a mandatory um, buying clause, then yeah, I'd be comfortable letting him mm-hmm. go. But for me, that's where, for me, that's what would make or break that deal if I was sitting at the other end of the desk. Yeah, completely agree. And, uh, I think uh, if you get a mandated option to buy, you take that deal. Uh, Ramla Lukaku is most likely going to go to Chelsea, pretty much done from what I can see. Uh, United have a sell-on clause in that deal, uh, which will allow them, allegedly, some, some people send up to 40 million. That's a big, big, that's a big windfall for United. You'd like to believe that that would be given to Solskjaer. Uh, and I would like to believe that that payment is due upon receipt of, of Inter Milan getting that money. Um, United deserve credit for negotiating that sell-on fee into the deal. They often have criticised for how they sell players. They deserve credit for this. 
they do. And I think at the time, it was clear that Lukaku wanted to move on. It was clear that Ollie, I think, was happy for him to move on. They got a decent amount of money for him at the time, um, considering what they paid. With the sale on, you're getting far more than you actually paid when you had both the, both fees together. So smart bit of business all round. And if it can allow United to manoeuvre in the market even further this summer, then then even better. You know, I think that's the best for all parties concerned. Look, mate, I was with him when he did his medical for United, <clears throat> as I've probably told people about 10 billion times, just in case you didn't know. Um, but uh, one thing that was clear then was his preference was Chelsea, right? And obviously, United didn't trust Real Madrid for Morata, ended up been in that deal, which I'm sure they're glad they did. And uh, moved for Lukaku, and uh, Lukaku ended up going to United, but the preference at that time was Chelsea. So I'm genuinely not surprised. By the way, one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet in your life. A total gentleman, lovely guy. Interviewed him at 17 when he was at Anderlecht. And uh, the way he treated me and my son, absolutely. My dad, by the way, absolutely superb. <clears throat> uh, my dad walked up to him with his United shirt and uh, gave it to Lukaku and asked Lukaku where he wanted my dad to send it. <laughs> but, uh, I said, Ram, where do you want me to send it, Rami? Uh, but uh, all right, let's get to a couple of questions, mate, uh, from our listeners. Uh, I know don't want to kick up too much more of your time. Uh, Paul Carson says um, two questions. Why Sancho, Cavani and Pogba, etc. back pre-season later than the rest? We've sort of covered that a bit yeah. in the beginning. Uh, Sancho, Cavani, um, you know, obviously there, uh, Cavani also played Copa America. So, um, and then William United shift Lingard per Dalo, etc. bring him a fielder. Uh, you know, I have a feeling that uh, Jesse Lingard will stay. Uh, look, the reality is United would sell him, but you can't sell someone you don't have proper offers for. And the news that I was given as of last week, late last week, was there really is no significant offers for any of these players. And here's the problem. United usually try to sell on players that don't work, that have flopped to the field. So their selling value is not usually that big, right? Lingard's had a come, out, come back off a successful loan. Pereira and Dallow, not really. It's hard to get interest in those players. My guess is Dallow will probably leave on loan with an option to buy. Um, my gut tells me Lingard will probably stay because there is no other clubs out there that have the money to buy. Uh, and he will stay. Uh, um, Pereira, United would, would be happy to get rid of at any moment. So um, I, I, I would be surprised if Pereira and Dallow were still there. The, the only one I, th- I could make a, a semi-argument for, I suppose, is Dallow. I think he might be given an opportunity if they're wanting to get Brandon Williams out on loan, just, mm-hmm. just for cover, particularly in that right-hand side. Um, I know Trippier has been mentioned. I think if, if you're not going to sign Trippier, then I think Dallow might just be given another season because he's not in a position, as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong with this, so please correct me if I am, as far as I'm aware, even if he stays for another season, he's not out of contract next summer, so you wouldn't be losing him on a free anyway. Yeah, um, and uh, by the way, just a quick point, United reports from the Mers and United are not going after Trippier and will not send anyone else's window if they've made that decision. Uh, that's nonsense. <clears throat> uh, from what I understand anyway, uh, you need to still want to bring in players, but they're focusing on selling. And I think we'll see a lot happen in the next few weeks. Uh, Cavani, my, I assume the reason why we haven't is because he's on holiday with Copa America. Uh, any chance you needed, um, I was from more achievers. Uh, as um, as Mick Ball says, any chance you needed to send a CDM. Look, um, Ren of Kamout said that Kamavinga wants to leave. I still feel um, that Kamavinga will say if you needed. That's not based on information. That's based on just my opinion. And what I've been told 
I haven't got anything new to add than what I was told a week or two ago. Still the same. I still feel that Benito will get a couple out. He will come in, possibly with the Lukaku money. They'll feel confident. But it's not just the Lukaku money. It's wages too. Because they want to lower the wage bill. So if they're confident they're getting a couple of players out, turns if he's going out on loan, uh, Palestri's going out on loan, if they're confident of getting some of these other players out, then I still think they'll take advantage of that Kamavinga. Uh, it's a good price, it's a good, good young player. It, you know, to try to get Bellingham, couldn't get him. Uh, he's in that mold. I think that um, that will end up happening. Do you running the add to it, man? Uh, just, just all I would add is, as a player, that if United are able to bring him in, I'd, I'd be delighted to see him. Sort of profile you want to sign the established guys that we've brought in this summer already. Fantastic, but these are the sort of players when they're on the market, you go and get if you possibly can. Yeah, and that's Ronan Wright. Uh, maybe we just answered that question you asked him about uh, getting him a footer for the window closes. Michael O'Brien says, updates on potential youth team players got on loan. Blurred to Swansea. I understand that that's relatively close to being done. Uh, Jimmy Garner to Premiership team. Lots of interest in Jimmy Garner. Um, I think you know, want to make sure he goes to someone similar to Chris Hutton, the had at Forest, the players in a way that's suited to his game. Because there's no point going to a Premier League team if you're not going to play. And you're not going to play suit their strengths. I think ideally, Ned would like to loan him out for another year to a Premier League team this time and a team that's suited to how he plays. I would be amazed if Jimmy Garner doesn't go out on loan. Ethan Nerd will go out on loan. Uh, Shola, sure, sure, Terry Hannibal is still really young. So it wouldn't surprise me if they stayed. Because you, you heard Sulzford talk about the other day, it doesn't want to be caught short in positions. They're going to be important in League Cups and what have you. They're going to step up their development. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Shoratari and Hannibal stay. Alanga is going to be the interesting one because I think he's just slightly ahead of them. Mm. Um, he does offer you know, the potential of goals. Uh, so the question that becomes, does it make more sense to keep Alanga on the bench and play him in these sporadic games? Or does it make more sense to loan him out and get him you know, week in, week out football at a, at a top championship club or maybe a lower league Premier League club? What would you do? I would keep him until January because of the Rashford situation. In terms of Garner, there's also, of some based up here, there's been interest from one of the big two in Scotland and, and Garner on loan. I don't know if United would be interested in, in, in putting him there, but I definitely know the interest is there. Um, so it just shows you that he's attracting attention, obviously, in England, but obviously from one of the big two up here as well. So um, I think, as I say, for, for, in terms of a Alanga, I would keep him to January with the Rashford situation because I don't think... I don't. I don't think you want to put him out and loan, and then you're another couple injuries away if you go. Ah, I wish we mm-hmm. we had kept him. So to be on the safe side, keep him until January. And if he goes in January, six months of, of first team football week in week out, we'll still do him the world of good anyway. Completely agree. Uh, question from Darren Hawkins. That's at da hawk idiot. Who is by the way BTP web designer. Uni, if you're not following Darren, give him a follow. If you need any web work or anything like that, Darren, this is the guy. Fantastic work, brilliant human being, and. Uh, Prices were unbelievable. Uh, he asked me, can Van der Beek play with Pogba as a pair? It's not in the field with Bruno in the number 10 role. Really, really good question. Because it's going to be interesting to see what Solskjaer does with those two holding midfield roles next season and whether he still feels with Ferrand there, he still needs to play with two defensive midfielders. I think part of the reason why he played with two holding midfielders is he didn't trust that Lindelof-Maguire partnership. Now you've got Varane, who has technical ability, who can play out from a back. Does he still feel he needs that much cover in there? Uh, if he does sacrifice a McTominay or a Fred, do we see Van der Beek playing there? I want to see a big season for Van der Beek this season, Tom. I do, and, and I've been encouraged by the uh, reports over here that the staff behind the scenes are happy with the the fitness regime that he he went through himself from his own choice over the summer. Obviously, he missed out in the Euros due to injury. Um, 
a cliched phrase to say that he's bulked up, that you hear quite a lot, but physically the Premier League is uh, a different um, kind of style of play compared to the Eredivisie. So I think that's something that you you would probably expect to see happen. Um, and and I, I want to see him come good. We've both spoken in the show and went on record the saying we didn't want to see him go this summer, even though you could recoup money because mm-hmm. he is a player who could be exciting, could be an incredible addition to the United squad if it comes good for him. And I think you have to give him at least this season to, to prove his worth because if he's the sort of player that you can just imagine you get rid of and he comes good elsewhere and you think, if only we had given him that other, other opportunity. So excited to see him this season, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think it is important. But I don't think people should focus on too much. I mean, take a look at Bruno. Bruno's got arms like ice pops, right? I mean, it's not like, it's not like uh, he's bulked up, you know, so damn anything. It is important f- physically, but um, I don't think it's the you know, people focus on it too much sometimes. I, because I think you can slow you down a bit. So, yes, it is important to be physical, but... Um, Certainly, uh, I think we'll go over the top of it. All right, we're last couple of questions. Frank Damaru, Frank Darmu says, uh, do I do we think Marshall will stay or go given that Rashford will be out? You see Rashford stepping in or has his inconsistency, his issue. So I don't think you need to make a decision on Anthony Marshall's future based on the fact that Marcus Rashford's out to October. I think that's a bigger decision. I think you need to feel confident that if Marcus Rashford's out to October with the players that they have, they'd be all right until he came back. Um, I still think there's enough quality, or especially with Sancho coming in. You know, Sancho, Cavani, you know, depends who they play on the left. And sometimes Pogba plays on the left. There's lots of other options for United out there. Um, of course, Grace Mason Greenwood as well. So um, I do feel that this is a new ruthless Manchester United, where in the past, Andy Martial would have got to stay for a couple of years and sail on the radar. I don't think United do that anymore. And that's really encouraging. I think now there's consequences to failure at United. It doesn't matter who you are. So the fact that Anthony Martial, I think he scored four goals last season, nowhere near good enough, has the ability of that, there's no doubt, is now being told, certainly understand there's consequences to your failure. Right? We're not going to keep persevering with this. Um, what I would also say to the current players is you don't get two, three, four, five, six bad seasons anymore. right? Um, so I think that um, this is an irresolution edit. It wouldn't surprise me if you never got a good offer from Martial them accepting it. I agree, and I think that's a sensible thing to do, given the nature of him as a player. Again, I talked about it earlier, great for 10 games, kind of 10 really poor games. So I think if you're getting a substantial fee for him, then it's a no-brainer to take it. Uh, Kieran says, what's your take on Ollie if he finishes the season? Trophy list with that squad at his disposal. Do you think fans will turn on a big difference having fans in the stadium? Cheers, man. All the best to yourself. So, a couple of questions. First of all, like we said earlier, Callum, you can't be in a perpetual rebuild forever. Solskjaer has to at some point be at the place today that he keeps talking about from the past, right? With future of the future. Well, today has to be the future at some point. That being said, when you see City going out and spending 100 million on Grealish, you see uh, Chelsea going out and spend money on Lukaku, it's not as straightforward as, oh, we've bought Varane, we've bought Sancho now, because everyone else is buying too. But this is why, in my opinion, it's really, really important to take care of that centre defense, that, that centre midfield position as well this summer. We know next summer United are going to need a striker. You don't want to have to have another key position to address next summer as well. So address the positions while they arise, these problems where they arise, so that next season you're not dealing with more. Because let's be honest, the Varane thing should have been done a year ago. We talked last season about needing the left foot and centre, left foot and centre back. How important that was didn't get done. Now it's done a year too late. We should have done it a year. Maybe if you look at where United, United were second type goal scorers in the Premier League. Um, maybe if they have Varane last season, we're, we're, we're league champions or winning a trophy. Um, I think this season, 
I want to see United address that sense with defensive midfield. Maybe bring in a Kamavinga who's young. Um, uh, so hopefully they do. But I do think this is the time now where Solskjaer really has to show he's a world-class manager and deliver deliver silverware. We can't be sitting at the end of next season. Like, let's say United win an FA Cup and finish second, but we're within two points of the leaders or something. Okay, that's progress. Even if they don't win a trophy and finish second, we're within a point or two. Okay. You know, de- de- depending on, you know, who we finish second behind them and, and how many points you accumulate. But I love Solskjaer, but at some point he has to start winning trophies. Spot on. I, 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 I think he's a, a great uh, person and a great ambassador for the club. Uh, I think he's definitely progressionated. The harsh reality, whether it's Solskjaer, Mourinho, Van Hal, anyone really, if, it's, if it was to go backwards in a significant way, and I don't mean falling out top four. I mean, say United finish fourth, they go out quarterfinals, mm-hmm. all competitions. I think you have to make a change if you're a football club who wants to aspire to, to be better. Um, that being said, with the squad at his disposal, I do expect him to improve on last season. But if it goes uh, significantly backwards, or it looks as if it is, then I think United would make that change. However, I think they would make the change at the end of the season. I don't think they'll do anything knee-jerk unless it was serious. And and I don't think it will get to that because the squad is there. It's been progressing for a couple of years. I think you reached the ceiling with what he had. He's got a couple of really good acquisitions. I can only see it going forward. And fingers crossed and toes crossed that it does. For, for, uh, thanks for all your folks. First of all, I'm extremely grateful for all your likes, downloads, retweets, everything else, and all your questions. It's impossible to get to all of them. We will get to them on other shows if you keep tweeting us. Thanks for all of you who have done that. I'll uh, read one or two others before we go. Just a quick one. Suffolk Dash MC81. Given we have signed Sancho and other words, completely deal for Varane, do you think there will be more protests against the Glazers this coming season? You think they've done enough to pull away? Look, it's always a temporary situation, right? So, um, if you need to continue to if, if they don't improve if it's somewhat results oriented but there's no question about this there's always there's a significant element of these glazer protests that are spoiled children uh, once they get their sugar rush over new signing it diminishes their anger um and they don't stamp their feet but and, and also this is what feeds into a lot of transfer speculation once that dopamine rush of the new signing's gone they're on the next one right what about the next one about the next one about the next one and then they, you see they're throwing toys at a prom because they're not getting trippier and they're not getting for and they're not getting camavinga and air first club all this right i, I mean the, some of this is spoiled child syndrome right um but uh the glazer protests as long as united aren't winning trophies as long as liverpool and city are winning trophies and there's a sense that you know, that are not doing enough to catch City and Liverpool. They're not on their current, will always be there. And it's never far away. And uh, I do believe that some of what we're seeing today is a consequence of those protests. No doubt about it. And if that's the case, some people are saying, oh, they're only doing this because of the protests. Well, that's partly what the protests are designed to do. Right? And so they should be listening and acting based on the anger of fans. That's okay. Right? So... Um, and let's see if they keep some of the commitments that they've made about continuing to communicate with fans and following through on the promises they made, because there's no question about it. The fans definitely did uh, put the fear of God into them, especially when it came to the sponsors. Uh, okay, mate, uh, do you have anything to add on that? I've got one more. Uh, just, just very quickly, just in the sense that, as you say, if the Glazers can commit to uh, open and transparent communications with fans joining an advisory board and make it meaningful, then naturally in time, yes, I think the protests would calm uh, because they have made a commitment and they're doing something to address that bridge that has been created. 
if they don't, then for sure it will continue. Look at United when they were winning the uh, Champions League under Ferguson. There was still mm-hmm. protests, there's still green and gold then. So it's not going away anytime soon unless uh, serious steps are taken. All right, last question. Kush uh, Ladani. And once again, sorry to everyone I didn't get to, folks. Just impossible. But thank you all so much for taking the time to do this. Maybe we start need to do more than one podcast a week on this. But um, with the moves, Kush says, with the moves City and Chelsea are making, uh, how do you think we'll match up across the season? Keeping Pogba must be key and likely with PSG slash Messi move, keep, keep up the good work, guys. Thanks very much, mate. So this is a really good point, right? Because I think Romelu Lukaku does significantly improve Chelsea, right? Uh, over what they've had last season. Right? He's definitely an upgrade in Timo Werner. Uh, he knows the Premier League. You play it with strengths. Lukaku's going to get 20 goals for Chelsea next season. They will be better for having Romelu Lukaku. I also think that with what Giroud gave them in terms of a big physical target man presence, Lukaku is obviously an upgrade on Giroud. Um, that will improve. Timo Werner didn't have the confidence. And maybe in some ways, Lukaku being there takes the pressure off Werner to have a better second season because now the goals will, will come from other sources. Uh, Jack Grealish. So Jack Grealish is a brilliant player. No question. Right? Um, but he doesn't, I, I don't think there's a, he massively improves Man City. Right? Because last season, City had players in every position that could kill you if they wanted. Right? Jack Grealish was one of them. Right? So, very, very, very good player, but does he make Man City that much better? I don't, I don't know, right? Certainly, if you look at Jack Grealish in, on that Man City team sheet, doesn't have me heading under the blankets. You know, I'm saying, oh, he's a good player. You know, um, I would have certainly liked to make an edit, but I wasn't sitting there going, Jesus, I'm ahead of my hands here. You know, and by the way, just a quick caveat. Most players and people that work for your football club aren't fans of your football club. They're not United fans. They give them City fans with better ribbon over Greece now being a City fan. Well, you know what? Most people United aren't United fans either. And nor do I expect <laughs> them to be. Um, and, uh, you know, so <clears throat> anyway. Um, but uh, I think Greece is a good signing for them. Very good signing for them. Uh, but I, I'm not worried about what City have done. not worried about what Chelsea have done. Uh I think what we have done is improved. I think the young players will improve. But, um, but yeah, look, City and Chelsea are always going to buy big players. If I, was the, if I was a fan of the team, I'd be worried about it. Not in terms of how they're going to frighten me, but per- perhaps in terms of how they drop off would be Liverpool. I don't think they've done enough. Um, and I think, uh, obviously, Fante coming back on is going to be a good signing for them. But I still think they're lacking. Um, and uh, I feel that... Um, I actually wouldn't have minded Harry Kane going to City because had he done so, I think that gives United a really great run on um, on Holland next summer with maybe Bayern being the only threat. No, I completely agree with that. I think that you've summed up Grealish well in the sense that if Grealish had joined Liverpool, if he had joined Chelsea, I don't think he's the sort of player that you think, right, we sign him and we're significantly heading for the league title. Mm-hmm. I think he will be an important part at City, but I think they've already got many important parts, particularly in those areas. You think of Foden, you think of Sterling, Bernardo Silva, they're talking about wanting to leave, but they've already got significant talent in those areas. Uh, it's just further depth, in my opinion, although he is an, an excellent player. Um, in terms of Chelsea, Lukaku will improve them. I think Chelsea will be the biggest threat um, in terms of whether it's United City, I think Chelsea this year, I think could go to the next level. They've got the Champions League under their belt. Uh, winning breeds winning, as, 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 the, as the cliche suggests. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll only further improve. But with United's two signings so far, 
United will only further improve, and you've hinted at it in your answer there as well. United and all need to focus on them. Chelsea, City, mm-hmm. Liverpool, every team in the Premier League with the finance that's there is going to improve. United have significantly improved. Focus on you and just make sure you get it right. Because if you get it right, then let them worry about themselves. Yeah, of course. When you're when you're Real Madrid, you couldn't worry about the players. Barcelona were saying vice versa. You just have to focus on your own talent, your own players. And, um, you know, it's great to see, you know, for young Jack Grealish, uh, 100 million pounds. I think that must be a record for an Irish player, is it? Holy joke of English brother, I love you as well. <clears throat> um, but um, I would say when we only had when we only had uh civil war during the Euros, you know, so I don't want to re- re- reignite <laughs> that spark. I have tons of English cousins and all that, there, you know, but uh, apparently I was anti English for uh saying Raheem Sterling Dave. Um, but um, anyway, I love my fellow English brethren, trust me, I really do. Um, but I have to say, mate, even when I was going over to Manchester as a young kid, you know, from Belfast with all the troubles, uh, everyone, I, I, I didn't have a single issue. Like, everyone in Manchester was just first class to me. Just absolutely first class. Never had an issue. And uh, I'm pretty sure the vast majority of my mates out here in California are mostly English lads and lasses, and we love ripping the piss out of each other, right? But um, all in all, we're all brothers. And um, I genuinely hate people who divide along the lines of nice and nationality and all these other silly titles that none of us choose. You know, we're all human beings. We love each other. Uh, unless you give me a really good reason not to, then uh, <clears throat> you're someone that uh, I love. I never choose to hate somebody based on any of these things. And I wish we lived in a world where other people didn't too. Mate, you are first class. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, uh, thank to each and every one of you for all your likes, downloads, retweets. Stay strong when the mental health folks. Just one other thing. And BTP coming out here very, very soon. I should have the samples this week. Are going to be shirts on all types of different merchandise that they're going to have a mental health charity on the front or either on the back. We're still deciding that 100% of the profits go towards mental health. What's also going to happen is the creator of these shirts, typically they sell for about £20. Um, uh, his cost is about £10 or thereabouts. Um, he's also going to donate £10 of the £20. So basically the way this is going to work, if you go on this, the, the website, you want to buy a shirt, the minimum you're going to pay is £20. If you can pay above that, great. Every single penny goes to mental health charities. Um, but even if you just pay the £20, £10 will go to a mental health charity and everything's going to be transparent. I don't handle any of the money, but folks, this is about supporting each other. Uh, so many people are struggling. You have my heart. You have my soul. I love you. If you're struggling, please, please, for the love of God, realize you're not alone. Uh, I am there with you every step of the way. So is my colleague here. So is so many other people. If this is coming to your ears and you're in a, you're in a position of pain, Please, please, please be good to yourself. Breathe. Know that this moment will pass. Know that I love you. I swear to God, you are so perfect. And you're only in pain because you're a good person. You're kind and you love other people. Um, This world is a better place for having you in it. And I never, ever, ever want to see someone else hurt themselves, take their lives or anything else. You're a massive part of my life. If I haven't met you, I trust me, there will come a day when I will. And I want to make sure I meet the best of you. Please, please, please don't give up. Please hang on. Please understand that this pain is temporary and that you will get through this. You're fucking amazing. 
right? No matter who you are. I love you, Callum. All the best, mate. All the best. Take care and I completely agree with the message. Take care of yourself, folks. Cheers, folks. See ya.